2: Your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now.
3: Welcome to Star Talk Live. I'm Eugene Merman. It is my great pleasure to bring on the amazing, the wonderful, Neil deGrasse Tyson!
2: (laughs) Welcome to StarTalk. This is StarTalk Live. Tonight's topic is everything you ever wanted to know and perhaps never wanted to know about gravitational waves (laughs) moving through the universe, washing over Earth itself. Where'd they come from? How do we detect them? Who's doing the detecting? And what is the future of that exercise? And I have experts this evening to help us through, give a nice Warm New Jersey, welcome to Jan 11. Jan 11, come on out. Jan 11, she, there she goes, Jana. How you doing? She's professor of physics and astronomy at Barnard College, and just came out with a book
0: all about what, what, uh, black holes. Black hole blues. You're supposed to say it in a DJ voice. Oh, black uh, hole blues and other songs from outer space. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is the black hole blues. <laughs> and other songs from outer space. That is the title of her book. We talk about black holes trying to talk to us yeah, they're with singing. their soundtrack. Yeah. Okay, very cool. And so not only that, someone who is an expert, not only in cosmology and has written a book on this subject, we comb the land to find someone who actually worked at the facility the Laser Interferometric Gravitational Wave Observatory, the actual place that made the discovery, give a nice warm New Jersey welcome to Nergis Mavalvala. Where is she? <laughs> Here she goes. Quiet, okay. <laughs> She's a professor of physics at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and you you worked on the actual facility at the actual facility
4: I did I did I've been doing this for 25 years yeah, okay. <laughs>
2: <So> <laughs> and did you start when you were eight or something what what I mean
4: <laughs> before I was born, <laughs> before <you were>
2: born. <laughs> that's how you start you gotta start them early people <laughs> so Eugene who'd you bring today
3: and uh, today we have a amazing comedian uh, one of the writers or creators and uh, stars of Wet Hot American Summer Michael Showalter Michael. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
3: New Hi, do I go home? over oh, there? Are oh, you sitting over there? <laughs> Welcome home.
5: It's good to be home. Yes, I'm a Jersey boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you mean. Yes.
2: Oh, I got to ask. What exit?
5: Yeah. 9, nine, nine exit 9. Thank you. 9. Thank you. nine yes. That's
2: the exit one takes to get to Princeton, New Jersey. That's where I'm from, Princeton, New Jersey. You're from Princeton. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's cool. Just, just showing off some Jersey floors. I grew up, up on the
5: mean streets of Princeton.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Nergis, tell us all what gravitational waves are. And in, in the green room, I call them gravity waves, and you said, no, they're mm-hmm. not gravity waves, they're gravitational waves. And that sounds kind of semantic to me. And I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so,
4: so there's a big difference. Gravity waves are local to our Earth. They are actually waves, seismic waves. They are part of density movements in the Earth. Whereas gravitational waves are cosmic. They come to us from so you, you, You're the telling universe.
2: me that the, the geologist got to the word gravity waves
4: first. That's absolutely right. Although, actually, gravitational waves have been around for about 100 years in as gravitational waves. But I think the geologist probably had it. Gravity first.
2: Yeah, but the so. universe has been making gravitational waves for billions of years.
4: Yes, right since its inception. And,
3: and the Earth's been doing it for a long time, too. You just yeah, noticed but, 100
4: but, years but, ago. Uh, to, be, to be fair... <laughs> <laughs> a, no, you're not to be y'all. Gravity
3: do, didn't start around the time they killed McKinley. It's
4: mm. true, but gravitational waves started at the very beginning of the universe. Gravity waves came about when the Earth was formed, so okay. much later.
3: Okay, agreed. So.
4: So, so I think gravitational wave wins the uh, the, yeah.
2: the yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I will promise I'll say gravitational <laughs> wave so we don't confuse the geologists in the audience.
3: Okay. Or okay. The, the comedians.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, Jana, I, I, I have some issues that I want to take up with you. You keep talking about waves, I get it, they're waves, but now you're talking about the blues and music and mm-hmm. sound. And we knew from the movie Alien that no one can hear you scream in space. Actually, we knew it well before the movie, that's when it got, became a publicly aware- thing. So, so why this urge to always analogize it to sound? I, I think that's mis- misleading the public. Yeah,
0: it's, it's actually stronger than an analogy. So, um, so let's say two black holes collide. They actually Just cause for instance. Just for instance, this is is the kind of thing, you know, we spend our energy on, and uh, they will literally ripple the shape of space-time. Space-time around the black holes will squeeze and stretch and emanate outwards as a wave, like fish swirling on a pond, or I prefer mallets on a drum, and the drum rings, and so these waves emanate outwards. Now, if you were close enough to the black holes, even though it's empty space and there's no air, it's... Technically conceivable, it would ring your eardrum, and you would actually hear from the squeezing and stretching of your ear of your mechanism. Cranium. Well, no, if it squeezes your cranium, you're just going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so
3: even if so, it squeezes it just a
0: little, like you don't a little bit. don't want a sound to be so loud that it's squeezing your cranium. Yeah. <laughs> right? so, okay. so, but if it, if it rings the eardrum mechanism, you would technically hear the black holes. And then you would die because you'd be too close to the <laughs> right, collision you'd be of right
3: right right right. If you hear a black Eventually hole, you
0: die. That's, <laughs>
3: and is it like a sonic boom where you're like, what's that and then you go back in time and explode?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about. No, do you hear that? <laughs> uh, Do you go back in time with sonic booms?
3: No, but you said that it ripples time space and I thought maybe oh, time I see what would be you're affected.
0: you're Yeah, that's true. You're you're Aha! Your time relative to somebody else's oh. would be affected.
3: Yeah, that's good enough. All right, so, <laughs> so,
2: so Nergis, you, you were part of the team that made a discovery. Yes. And so t- tell me about that discovery in particular.
4: Okay. so. And it's recent. This is recent it's recent news. It's very recent. So I'll tell you the date. Go <laughs> so for it. It was September 14th. Uh, 2015, okay. and our detectors began to sing. Just as Janna says, they, you know, we recorded a signal that we could turn into a sound, and it turned out to be the sounds of two black holes colliding. And where? Quite far away. Thankfully, our eardrums would not ring from this because we were thankfully far away, 1.3 billion light years away. So quite far.
3: Okay, okay, so. How many, like, hours is that just to get
4: it <laughs> <laughs> out so, so, what you're saying, so, wait, and how big were the black holes? So, the black holes were 30 times more massive than our sun. So, again, rather fat for those kinds of black holes.
2: Okay, so, it, it was two black holes, 30 times the mass of the mm-hmm. sun, colliding 1.3 billion years ago, before the Cambrian explosion of life on Earth. Yes. So there were single celled organisms swarming in tide pools, and that's when this event happened. And then this ripple moved through space. This mm-hmm. disturbance in the fabric of space time propagated at the speed of light. Yep. And it's been going for 1.3 billion years, and in the interim, life evolved to make vertebrates and right. primates and humans. And then humans developed civilization and, 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 and agriculture and technology and physicists and <laughs> Einstein <laughs> and the prediction and, and LIGO, the experiment, and you. And then you turn on the machine and you detect it
4: yeah that's about right yeah. okay. so, uh, okay. <coughs> <laughs> yeah. I do want to say it was me and and a thousand other colleagues
2: <laughs> so, okay but we got you here
0: now yes, <laughs> yes that's right. are. Okay. That, tough luck <laughs> what, what were you saying Janet? well I was just gonna say it it was when the discovery hit um, the, the experimentalists like Nergis were still doing tests on the instruments. So
2: they're theorists and they're experimentalists. Yeah, I'm, who, the th- I'm theorist. Who in an ideal world they work together. Yeah, okay. that's
0: an ideal world. Yeah.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and, and I, are you guys in reality enemies?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're often sadly in reality a little disconnected. So the interesting thing for me writing the book was I became so enamored of the experimentalists and what they were doing. I mean, it's one thing to kind of pen and paper fantasize about black holes colliding. I was like, are you people seriously? going to try to do this with like metal and glass? That's insane. And a lot of people thought they were insane. <laughs> it was not a popular experiment. If you had asked people even in August, many people in astrophysics would have said, this isn't going to succeed. So it was really just a dramatic thing that happened that as soon as it went on, they weren't even ready, but as soon as it was on, bam.
2: Well, and when, and when the, the news hit, it reached into pop culture. It was page one banner, headlines, and in fact, there's a, a storage company in Manhattan uh, <laughs> They're called Manhattan Mini Storage, yeah. and they have these clever ads on the sides of buildings, and I've got it written here. One of them said, scientists found gravity waves in outer space. If only were that easy to find an apartment in New York with a walk-in closet. <laughs> <laughs> Rent your own personal closet space, <laughs> Manhattan mini stores. So it got Did right. Did they pay
0: th- you for that? No, no, that was not <laughs> an advertisement.
2: So they went right in to fold in the discovery into pop culture. So I was, re- I was very impressed by that. Mm-hmm. Did you have any clue it would be that popular?
4: No, you know, I actually was pretty sure that the scientific community would be very excited by it, but I don't think m- almost any of us could have predicted how much it moved into, you know, how much it moved people who just like to see science succeed.
3: You don't have a machine that also detects how exciting certain breakthroughs will be to regular people. I'm working on it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So it's. So I mean, I was I was impressed by it. I think people like big problems in cosmology and black holes. It, it, it had all the trappings mm-hmm. of the news story that should make make banner headlines. And you, when you were working on this. Isn't it true that the the discovery paper was published, when, when was the paper published?
4: The paper was published on February 11th, 2016.
2: Okay, so, so. there's a time delay between the detection <laughs> and the paper. Why?
4: There's a huge amount of work that had to be done from the time our instruments recorded the signal to the time the paper was ready, here were the steps. We had to first make sure the signal was real because these detectors, I mean the signal is really, really weak and there's all kinds of other things that masquerade as signal in our detectors. We had to make sure the signal was real. We had to make sure it was from the universe and not from one of our colleagues injecting it into our detector, which sometimes happens. We do that to ourselves.
5: What, what does that mean? It,
4: it, it, it's <laughs>
2: self-inflicted
4: like pain.
5: outside the microphone going,
2: coming.
3: Ah. <laughs> 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 so would you might have like? just detected someone playing a guitar. Uh,
4: you could, but even more than that, it's self-inflicted pain in that this, we, the scientists, go into our own data and inject signals, fake signals, and then ask ourselves, could we find them? It's like playing hide-and-seek with yourself. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> you know?
3: normal. Yeah. So. Now I get why if you ask people in August they'd be like, those people are
4: cuckoo.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you've got to make sure the signal is legit. That's right. And then you, and then you publish so the general public doesn't know until... Um, didn't know until when? February 11th, Fe- February when February we announced it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just FYI, I visited one of the LIGO facilities after apparently they had already made the detection. Nobody spilled anything to me. <laughs>
4: <They> <laughs> there was hush. no
0: winks and nods? No, no,
2: they didn't wink. They were very <laughs> smiley, though, I remember. <laughs> now, Janet, this this search has been going on for decades.
0: Yeah, And for you decades. chronicle
2: this in your book, don't you?
0: Yeah, so when I started becoming so enamored of the physicality of this machine that they were building. You know, these are huge machines. They're four kilometers long each, and there's two of them, one in Louisiana and one in Washington State. Um, The first prototype was built by somebody named Ray Weiss from MIT, who's a colleague of Nergus's in in the late 60s. And that's when it started. He dreamt up this idea of building it, and the first one that was built was like a meter and a half. You know, this is a guy on his own, and uh, 50 years, people like Ray were working on this and slowly you know Kip Thorne comes in and Ron Drever and they're really just Kip Thorne is of a them.
2: cosmologist at Caltech yeah. perhaps in pop culture best known for being a co-executive producer of the movie Interstellar yeah yeah cool.
0: so Right. Kip. got all the right people on it. Yeah, uh-huh. you got the right people on it. So before Kip was a movie producer, <laughs> okay. all right. Yeah, he was a very famous astrophysicist. So 50 years, they, they pushed through from a one and a half meter long instrument, finally realizing, you know, Ray says he finally realized one day that this had to be big. And now it's four kilometers long, and, um, and they're in vacuum, which is just a very intense thing to you do. You vacuumed pull. out a
2: four-kilometer-long tube. That's
0: right. Tube. In 1998, the vacuums have been there for this instrument, is, is when they pulled the vacuum. So if the vacuum had broken between 1998 and now, people said, we all would have gone home. Like, that is an expensive and difficult procedure. So they, this was a really arduous climb for them. Really
2: so so just, to be, just to clarify, so the history of astrophysics mm-hmm. probing the universe is one where we study light, right? Yeah. And initially visible light, Roy G. Biv. You know Roy G. Yes. Biv? Yes, yeah. we, we know. You know Roy? <laughs> Even I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> Especially red, Biv. <laughs> red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Uh, seven colors named by Isaac Newton, but there are many more colors than that. He had a mystical fascination with the number seven, so he just... Pick seven colors and attached it. So, so then we find out there's colors outside of that range. There's infrared and ultraviolet and X-rays, gamma rays, radio waves. Uh, and so, so that becomes modern astrophysics and it's all forms of light. And now you guys have come up with another kind of telescope to find another kind of wave in the universe, the gravity wave. And this is just a stunning fact that we've yeah. opened up a whole new, the first-ever discovered gravity wave. And so now we're no longer restricted to light itself.
0: Yeah, that's right. All the, everything we've known about the universe, more or less, I mean, very nearly everything comes to us from light. Since Galileo, we've made this silent movie of the universe through everything you've described, all those colors. When Nergis and, and her colleagues are working on the instrument, in the control room, they're listening to it through a speaker system. This is not light, and what they recorded was not a picture. It's really something fundamentally different. It's like we've gotten the soundtrack. So you're saying
2: this thing sounds like something.
0: It does, and, and you know, let me... And
4: if th- we had pointed a telescope at those black holes, we would have seen nothing. Even a telescope you that's beyond a regular beyond telescope Yeah, at. beyond our imagination, the best telescope you could imagine probably would have seen what nothing. What if we had
3: pointed a very powerful microphone? <laughs>
4: uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> what they did. So, so I think oh. we have got
2: we have that sound. <laughs> right. We can play that sound. Yeah, we have we the sound. Yes, we we have the power of to play black holes. to push a button and play the sound. Yes. <laughs>
6: <laughs> okay, we could g- sing can we it. get that?
2: Let's, let's <laughs> Uh, I have no idea what that was. <laughs> ner- ner- <Exactly. laughs> I believe
3: that was from the third episode of New Gener- Next Generation Star Trek. Right, right. <laughs> the sound of the engine yeah.
2: in oh the yeah background. Yeah, exactly. Wait, wait, so what, which, no. what was that low no. rumble?
4: So there's two versions of the sound that you heard there. The low rumble was the sound as we recorded it in our signal. So what we do is we record a signal, and that signal, actually, you can make a graph of it on a computer, or you can actually port it out onto a loudspeaker and hear it. And That's what we just did. We turned the signal into a a signal that the loudspeaker could play back. So the low rumble is actually just the hum of noise in the detector, and superposed on that, was the sound of these two black holes colliding. Now, if there were no noise, and if these were black holes that fit my voice range, they would have sound like this. There would have been a low rumble that gets to a higher frequency and higher amplitude. It's a gone... Roop! And at the end, they would have collided. That end would have been the colliding. So what we heard there initially was just the the original sound. And they sound like a a thump. It was.
2: Did you just imitate two black holes colliding?
4: I just did. I was expecting applause. Give me a second to figure that out. (laughs) Come (laughs) on, people.
1: Sleep. Grocery shopping themselves. Just a few things working moms seldom have time for. And during tax season, you can add
6: And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com.
4: Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with a limited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid and limited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024.
5: I have a question, which is and a very stupid question. Um, this happened... Billions of years ago? 1.3 or
0: so. 150 billion no, no. years No, no 1.3 billion years ago. Oh, so Give or one, take a couple hundred million. Yeah. Give or take a couple hundred million. So
5: how then do you know that it was black holes colliding and not anything else colliding? In
3: fact, you out there in space going, <laughs> 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 like, 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 how,
5: if this happened so long ago, how mm-hmm. can you be so sure that it was black holes?
2: Yeah.
4: Yes, yeah. all right. It's a, <laughs> it's a good question. So, um... Einstein, 100 years ago, gave us a theory of of gravity in which you could start to predict what signals from black holes could look like. And in fact, Jana has spent much of her career solving those equations that Einstein gave us and predicting what the signal from black holes should look like. And that signal looks different than signals from other kinds of stars, so.
2: Just if I can add there, so Einstein lays down the theoretical framework Mm -hmm. from which you can derive predictions for all manner of things, and that is a testament to the potency of what he laid to tracks Absolutely. 100 years ago. So mm-hmm. continue. Yeah.
4: Yes. And so maybe, Jenny, you want to say a little bit about what the signals
0: would look like. You, you yeah, actually well, calculate think, them. I think one of the ways to answer that question is, let's say um, you heard a ringing drum. You would be able to reconstruct technically from the sound of that drum how the mallets were moving. And so the black holes are the mallets in this example. And you can tell, if you're listening to an orchestra or you're listening to a band, how they're hitting the drum. And so if we're able to correctly predict, from Einstein's theory, the motions of the black holes, which we can do in great detail, um, and we can then predict how the, shape, uh, how the drum rings, we actually can uh, reconstruct the source from the sound. You know, I just realized
2: we're talking like everybody knows what a black hole is, but yes. let's just make yeah. sure we're on the same page. Sure. Tell us, Yeah.
0: So a black hole <laughs> is the death state of a very massive star, but we think of it as a thing, and I really would like to convince people it's not actually a thing. After the star collapses, what it does is it curves space-time so strongly around it that not even light can escape. That's the famous saying about the black hole. And then the material in the star keeps falling. So if you go up to the shadow of the black hole, and it's a shadow because no light can escape, there's nothing there. The black hole is not a hot, dense object. It's actually a curvature in space-time. It's completely dark. The stuff that made it is gone. If you want to find out where it went, you have to go in too. Does
3: it, does <laughs> then, it move around, or is it there? Like, the
0: black it? hole moves around like any other object, but it's kind of like a place.
3: Does it go far? Like, will it come and does it eat planets?
0: <laughs> we are orbiting a supermassive black hole in the center of our own galaxy, and we are technically falling into it. But how I w-
3: slowly? Like, how worried should I be? Yeah, I. W- is it?
5: <laughs> is it? <laughs> Um, is it really cold inside a black
0: hole? That's an interesting Do you question. You have to wear
5: it, like a sweater.
0: Yeah, <laughs> 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 it is um, probably deathly cold. Yeah, but it's not dark inside the black hole because the light from the universe can fall in behind you and you can see it. It's only dark outside the black hole. Black holes are dark on the outside, not on the inside. Plus, to be
2: clear, when we use the word "hole" in modern and everyday parlance, it's a, it's like a, a something you fall through, and okay. then there's not, an, and you just fall through. Right. Whereas a black hole is a hole in every direction right. that you approach it.
0: It's a spherical hole. It's a spherical <laughs> hole.
2: So you can <laughs> fall into this hole no matter which way you approach it. Yes,
0: you, you would approach this region, this spherical region, where you'd, be have, you'd have to travel faster than the speed of light to escape. So you have no choice once you hit that sphere but to fall forward. In fact, it's almost like you're falling towards the future. Because space and time sort of switch places. I'm not making this stuff up. Do you, Is there, <laughs> no, wait, wait. I'm not making
5: this stuff up. I'm not making this stuff Space, up. And, space time and time switch places.
0: places. Inside the black hole so that you're for sure. Don't just say that
3: and don't explain it.
0: Yeah, it's no, okay, a
3: way to those. go into the future. No problem. Next. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> Next?
0: Yeah, what? No. Well, here, no, okay. I'm here's like, how I can. You want me to really explain that? I can try that. Okay, no. You want to go? We can go forward. No, no, no we want to know. I was
3: kidding about yeah. that. We don't want to know how time travel works. Well, well,
0: well black wait, so, wait, wait.
3: So,
2: famously, Matthew yeah. McConaughey yeah. went into a black hole
5: in. Yeah. In, in, in his career? Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> 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 Word. <Where. laughs>
2: in, in, in Interstellar. Oh, oh, And, um. and so. So they portrayed that he had some kind of access to the timeline of his life. Yeah. And so, I don't know, was that sort of, uh, was that because we really don't know, so make stuff up? or yeah. Or is your, yeah, okay. <laughs> or is your space and time switching empower that?
0: Um, I don't think the space and time switching empowers it, but I can say this much. The black hole, however big as it, is, it is on the outside, can be very deceptive about what's on the inside. The black hole can be much bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Really? Yeah, like a TARDIS, it's a like tardis. in Doctor Who.
3: So, oh my gosh. <laughs> like a TARDIS. So the TARDIS is re- wait. So how, like, what's the wait? Wait. And for like those no, who don't
2: know the TARDIS reference, uh, it's
3: <laughs> like get out. Get out.
2: <laughs> wait, wait. No, there are other references. Um, ready? I think oh, wait, wait. It's like, it's like um, Mary Poppins carry bag.
0: <laughs> oh, but, very good. But you pull a whole third. plant out of the bag.
2: And pulls are like yeah. a, okay. Yeah. Ma- that's just evidence that Mary Poppins is herself. Wait, anyway. that's a b- you, Did you just describe a black hole? I described uh, something that's bigger on the inside than on the outside.
6: <laughs> yeah. But it was her.
2: Ba- it's her bag. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So thanks for that. That uh, mini tutorial <laughs> on black ho- on black holes. Uh, we'll
3: figure out how to invoke them. Uh, I'm really gonna start working on this for real now. <laughs>
5: Did I interrupt you a second ago? Or were you, were you? I don't think so. I mean, I, I was. It's just all very confusing. Um, there was a moment in my life where I like people would say like how good Radiohead is, and I would be, and I didn't understand. But then I got it. Okay. <laughs> and I want to know. I want to know. Was there ever a moment where you didn't understand what a black hole was, and then all of a sudden you go? oh, I get it now, and will that moment ever occur for me?
0: I'm only going to answer the first question. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, so I... I, before I started studying the mathematics of it, was frustrated too, because you're just taking somebody's word for it and they're just saying these crazy, insane things that seem so implausible. And whenever we get crazy letters from people, it's usually just stringing together words like this that sound kind of fancy. But if you take the mathematics of Einstein's theory of curved space-time, you start and you you just really spent a lot of your energy on it. Uh, so it, it wasn't you start an to understand aha it. Moment. It was No, it's a, a long oh, process. It. Okay. No, and okay. and it's and it's very and it's a, a spectacular. I really think of my life as before I spoke general relativity and after. <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> okay, I'm so still
5: in the before phase. <laughs> yeah, you have to
2: earn your fluency.
0: Yes, yeah, okay. yes, absolutely. Okay,
2: uh, you too, Nergis? You have to earn your fluency? Or
4: yes, and you know, the, sto- the story's not over yet. I don't no, s- think we over. fully know what happens inside of black holes. We don't know how to explain the singularity. We have ideas, but any one of them could be true. So.
3: What are like just six of them?
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: well, the one... The, the, the What's one
5: the most popular? What's singularity?
4: Ah, the singularity. Oh, my goodness. It's a point in space that's smaller than a point.
0: Can't you see? <laughs> stupid. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's
2: Such a stupid question.
4: Nobody
5: knew that. No, but In all seriousness, could you somehow connect it to Mary Poppins' handbag?
4: <laughs> I think there was a singularity in there. What do you think? In that,
2: at least she had access to a higher dimension. Is, that's you. right. <laughs> Before we go to our first break, uh, let me just clarify something about the detection. Uh, the, the, the LIGO detection. The, as I understand it, you turned on the machine to start taking data and within a week you got the first detection?
4: Yeah, actually, less than a week, uh, it's true.
2: How, how, and how much time?
4: About
0: two days. We've you know, it's two days! <laughs> you know, it, it We've t- been trying 50 years <laughs> to
2: detect gravity waves.
0: Hey, I haven't been trying for 50 years. <laughs> Give <Okay>. me a minute.
3: We've
2: tried 50 years to detect gravity waves, and a wave born 1.3 billion light years away, traveling for 1.3 billion years, you flick the switch and you detect it <laughs> two days later? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> <okay. laughs>
3: so she's cocky about it. <laughs> Have you right. detected more since then?
4: Uh, so we've certainly seen some small uh, evidence of smaller black holes than these, the the two that, that we're describing. And oh. there's more data in the can that we're still analyzing. So probably there's more there. Maybe not.
3: That would be amazing if you turn, if it's so, like a fluke that you found. Yeah. It.
4: No. So I think I think there's, there's it's not just pure fluke. Um, I mean, we turned on this machine um, after a major upgrade. It was down for four years after the first phase, and it had quite a bit more sensitivity, and particularly in certain frequency bands where you shouldn't detect such signals. So I don't think it's an, a total fluke that we turned it on and we'd never seen these before and suddenly we did. We've made a machine we'd never made before. You know, it was a, it was a damn good machine. Okay.
2: <laughs> she said, damn. <laughs> We'll have to bleep that.
4: Um, <laughs> when
3: we, we made a damn <laughs> good machine.
2: <laughs> well, wait. No, but my issue is not that you detected it in two days, but that doesn't it tell us that 30 solar mass black holes are colliding every couple of days somewhere in the universe?
4: It should tell us that if we see enough of them over some observing period. So, yes, you don't expect them to be at completely... Um, even time spacing, well, right? They comes sort after, of every but now and then. I'm just but saying,
2: after 50 years, you turn it on, mm-hmm. you detect it in two days, this stuff is going on all the time, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, mm-hmm. yes,
4: I, I agree. I think, I think any, anybody... Just nobody
3: talks about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay, so just we agree on that. Yes, this we do. This has got to be way more common phenomenon than people had imagined previously. Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, <laughs> after the break, we'll find out more about the people behind LIGO and the incredible 50-year quest that led to this amazing discovery on StarTalk.
6: Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25.
2: We're live at the Count Basie Theater in New Jersey. This is Start Off. We are talking about gravitational waves propagating through the cosmos. And Jana, your book, you started this book not knowing that they were about to make a discovery. Yeah. And then they made a discovery. So yeah. <laughs> did you have to like change up your plans?
0: Yeah. Well, actually, um, I, I was two years late on delivering this book, which was perfect. Oh, okay. It dovetailed. like I printed the book out for Ray Weiss, one of the original architects, and Kip Thorne, who we've talked about. I printed a copy for each of them on September 14th just by coincidence, and sent them drafts. And I remember Ray was kind of getting agitated, and he's like, what are you gonna do if there's a discovery? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, he's not allowed to tell me, so. I loved that I could write the book without knowing if they succeeded because the book is really about the campaign. It's really about the tension. I mean, even in the close of the book, Ray's saying things like, if this doesn't detect black holes, the thing is a failure. I mean, that's an incredibly bold thing to say in August 2015 um, from the original designer (laughs) of the machine. And so... So But I, I got to write an epilogue of redemption you know and so so they included me in the discovery of, uh, a few months earlier and Nergis was telling me on the way over that there was a lot of discussion about when they could tell me which is really really sweet so before um, before I, I went to press they gave me the chance to write the epilogue so I kind of love it because the book is as though you don't know the conclusion until you actually get to the close of the story. And so uh,
2: how much money has been spent to make this happen?
0: Uh, about a billion dollars integrated the experiment costs.
2: Okay, so a, a billion. We've got to say it in a Carl Sagan way. <laughs> a billion dollars.
0: A billion dollars. Right. It's a lot of dollars to say at the end of the story if we don't discover black holes. This does thing's it, a failure.
3: <laughs> does it end with? Imagine how many pants we could have bought. <laughs> right,
2: right. So, so as we said earlier, Albert Einstein, uh, I. I you, you said he came up with his general relativity 100 mm-hmm. years ago, but I didn't see anybody talk about at the time, and I've been screaming loudly that Einstein also laid the foundation for the laser, mm-hmm. which is a fundamental part of the technology of LIGO. Could you tell me how you're using lasers?
4: Yeah, so it's the L in LIGO, it's laser. Yeah. Yep. So the, that was, you know, if, if you ask, why was it? that, I mean, Einstein made this prediction 100 years ago, why was it in the 1960s, in the late 1960s that Ray Weiss came up, w- and others, but he came up pr- with sort of designing this instrument that could measure it. It was the invention of the laser. In 1960, the laser was invented. In 68, Weiss had started to think about using it. And the laser is, is our, f- our, is a fundamentally, our first foray into quantum light. And Einstein, sort of laid some of the groundwork for quantizing light. So I think it's it's very uh, in, incredible that he gave us not just his theory of gravity he also gave us some foundational ideas for making lasers.
2: So so Einstein laid down general theory of relativity mm-hmm. which predicts the existence of the existence of gravity waves. It predicted later discovered the existence of black holes. Mm-hmm. He then predict he then then lays down the theoretical construct for lasers. Then a hundred years later, you use lasers to detect gravity waves that had just been emitted by two colliding black holes.
0: Yes. yes. <laughs> so, so that
2: tells me Einstein is just the badassest person there ever was.
4: He's the man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sir. Am, am I? I mean, think about what. Think about that. Yeah. But just so you know, it, was, you know, it wasn't easy for, for Einstein to do all of this. He kept uh, changing his mind about whether or not gravitational waves are real. So he would write papers, say they were real, write papers, say they weren't real. Does that
2: mean he'd be right no matter what?
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. That's kind of cheap. I take and it back,
2: what I said about Einstein. It
0: went on for decades, and at one point, um, he would write a paper saying gravitational waves don't exist. It would get accepted for publication, and he'd slip in a paper that said that they did. <laughs> like right as it went to press, so it was uh, such a hard problem. And um, somebody once said, "You know, Einstein, your name's going to be on this paper. You have to be very careful not to put your name on a wrong paper." And he thought that was hysterical. He said, "My name is on plenty of wrong papers." <laughs>
4: yeah. So, uh, so he wasn't.
2: I wish to my be name were on as many wrong papers as <laughs> is. Uh,
4: <laughs> yeah. So, so who
2: are some of the key? So you mentioned Ray Weiss and Kip Thorne. We've heard. And who yeah. else are key early players?
4: So I think the as. Jana's book tells us the Troika originally was Kip Thorne, who was thinking about the theory uh, and the astrophysics. How do you you model signals of black holes or neutron stars that are orbiting and colliding into each other?
2: Oh, by the way, in the movie Interstellar, co-executive produced by Kip Thorne, the name of one of the robots is Kip. (laughs)
3: That's what money gets you.
4: (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Okay, go on. I interrupted. So you. so, and then, so that was Skip thinking about sources and theory. There was Ray Weiss who came up with the idea of using an interferometer, and actually more importantly, I mean that idea had been around at the, about that? the same time. An, I- in a an interferometer. Program. An interferometer is, is an optical device where you take a laser beam mm-hmm. and you kind of split it in two paths. Nice. And the light travels <laughs> along two <laughs> paths. <laughs> And it comes back. Nice. And then it interferes. You can
2: save your emotions for after she finishes.
4: <laughs> so
3: you start with a laser, you break it up, you get them back together. Yep. And then you're like, now I get how gravity yeah. works.
4: I, but <laughs> along the way, what happened? When you broke the two laser beams apart, if they travel different distances, then when they come back together, they act a little funny. They're a bit darker or a bit brighter.
3: And why do Did they travel a different distance?
4: Because a gravitational wave came through the detector. Aha! <laughs> See? I caught you!
3: <laughs> it, acu- uh, now I get it. Right. So what you
2: have... So I your two beams <laughs> are otherwise identically the same length. Yes. Now now a gravity wave washes across the detector and makes the length of one different from the length of the other.
3: Because it went into the future. And, <laughs> and
2: then you com- recombine the waves, and now you have like a crest adding to a trough of these waves and they interfere with one another and you can measure this.
4: We can measure that and we can measure not just if crests line up with crests or crests line up with troughs but lots of variations in between. So is it perfectly dark because troughs and troughs lined up or is it perfectly bright or something in between and that's how we make the measurement. We actually use the laser beam along one arm as a kind of a reference for measuring the light travel time along the other arm. You just compare how long did the light take along this arm compared to the light along the perpendicular arm. Now you've got arm. two of
2: these facilities. Mm-hmm. Why?
4: Well, that's really important uh, because the... And the one is
2: in Louisiana, one is in Washington State. State, yep. Yes.
4: Yeah. So they're about 3,000 kilometers apart. And then now, Convert
2: that to miles here for because we're, we're oh. Americans here. Eight. <laughs> Eight. Eight
0: miles. <laughs>
2: Trust me. <laughs>
4: Right.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> it's about, it's about 2,000 miles? There yeah. are, yes, thereabouts. Okay. Yeah. You say 2,000,
4: so okay. <laughs> yeah. right. so, so why do we need two of them? In fact, there's actually an, a European detector in, in Italy as well called Virgo. And why do we need so many? So a couple of things. One is the signals are, are, are very weak. And so, how does this uh, Can I say how the detector works? Yeah, yeah. You know, do you want to know how the detector works? <laughs> okay. Okay.
3: They all so get <laughs> up and leave. No.
4: <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, stop. I'll stop.
2: <laughs> okay, as they start okay. going for the. Yeah, we'd love to know how it works. Yeah.
4: So, the way it actually works is that the gravitational wave comes through the detector, it actually changes the distance between the laser and a mirror. that, ha- ha- In our case, in the case of LIGO, the US detectors, the mirrors in the lasers are separated by four kilometers, so two and a half miles, (laughs) (laughs) okay? So, and and what happens then is that our job then is simply to measure the change in distance between the laser and the mirror when the gravitational wave goes by compared to when it's not there. And now the problem is that the motion of these mirrors uh, compared to the laser distance is tiny. The gravitational wave is really, really, really weak. And so the motion we're trying to measure over those two and a half miles is smaller than one thousandth the size of a proton. Okay, so it's a very small number. It's 10 to the minus 18 meters for those of you who think in, 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 in those kinds of numbers. <laughs> but really what you have to think about is that you start off with an atom And you, you know, you get to something that's a thousand times smaller than the typical size of an atom. You have its nucleus in the center, a proton. Proton, and now we're thinking of something that's a thousand times smaller than the central nucleus of an atom. So it's a small number. We measured that. So you claim. (laughs) Yes.
5: Did you measure it with like one of those rulers you get at Staples? (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yes. And
5: then at the end, they put a ruler.
3: (laughs) (laughs) the little wooden <laughs> ruler No, it's more like one of the wheels that you use to measure like more like a street.
4: <laughs> no, we measured that using the travel time of the laser. That's why the laser I is see. so important. I see.
2: Okay, okay, but you have two facilities? Yes,
4: yeah, so Be- so so why? Because this effect is so small. Now we're trying to measure these tiny motions of mirrors and everything on our planet. Wants to move those mirrors by more than this passing gravitational I remember wave. when
2: I visited one of the facilities. You come near the the, the beam. It says drive really slowly towards the facility because anything is going to jiggle, shake, and bake the your absolute, experiment.
4: Absolutely. And so that's so How do you know
2: you didn't detect me driving into the facility?
4: That's why yeah. we have two because there's not two of you at you know three thousand kilometers apart by at the same time. How do you
3: know? Uh-huh. <laughs> or how do you know that there isn't another car with another yeah. person?
4: So, so the way that you know is that the, the detectors the two observa- at the two observatories are instrumented with all kinds of other instrumentation, like seismometers that would measure you going by. And so we take those, we can remove those events from our signals. And now what happens, so think about the black holes we did detect. What we saw was a signal that arrived in our Louisiana detector first, and then seven milliseconds later, that same set of wiggles and bumps, that same signal. So
2: seven thousandths of a second.
4: Yes, seven thousandths of a second later, it arrives at our Washington detector. And that told us something very important. It told us that the wave was coming in from the south, traveled through the Louisiana detector, and then continued on its way, and seven milliseconds later, which is about the light travel time, this, you know, these waves also go at the speed of light, and it registered in the, in the Washington detector. So it's not like
2: a thing moving through the air, it is the rippling of the fabric of space-time, shaking and baking Earth, being yes. felt by one detector seven
5: milliseconds after the other.
4: Yes, that was, that was what it was, and that's what those two detectors are mm-hmm. for.
5: Yeah. <laughs> and when, when you turned on the machine and you heard the signal, and, and you were like, that's the real signal, did you guys then have a party?
4: <laughs> yeah, so when, you know, in part because of the history of false starts in the field, many of us also have this, the psychology of, oh no, that can't be real. So we looked at this beautiful signal and we were trying to talk ourselves out of it. <laughs> But eventually, after we did en- enough testing, it w- it was real. And then, I yes, rea- we did realize have a party. realize it wasn't me
5: driving down the street. What, that's yeah. right. Did everyone get drunk at the party? <laughs> but, but um, did you all have to come home drunk
3: and go like, no reason?
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> the discovery paper has a thousand people on it. Yeah. How a thousand people going to keep it's a secret? party
5: party. <laughs> We did
4: pretty well, not you perfectly, but you pretty You did damn well. well. I'm yeah. there and
5: they're all just smiling ear to ear and nobody yeah. told me a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> and what percentage sure were you that you were going to hear the signal?
4: Yeah, so there's a, a real mathematical process by which you can uh, ascribe a number to how sure you were. And in the case of this signal, it was we were sure at the level of one in 200,000 years. Now, what does that mean? It means if we... if if we ran our our, our experiment for two hundred thousand years, there was a, a chance of one um, once in those two hundred thousand years getting a signal that was like this. So getting a random
5: the, signal, just
0: from the noise of the but detector. But so then doesn't.
5: But then you got it in less than a week.
0: No, uh, yeah, so yeah, well, but the actual. You mean a false detection? That's is right. What so you're what's you know, what's the confidence in in, right. in the signal? How. Right, no. so I think, I think what Nergis is saying, look, the chances that that was just false, that the two detectors just happened to ring like that, which is kind of related to... Was one, one in 200,000? Yes. Years. Oh, so that, yes. okay, not the but opposite. No, but right. the, sig- okay. the the prediction for how often do two black holes that big collide, the predictions were, were almost, were from like zero. But I'm saying before <laughs> to, you turned it on, yes, from you're before like, it we're going to hear a signal. Not necessarily no. from two black holes. The predictions were zero... to maybe a few per year, meaning that was our range of guessing. So so literally, it, it, it... It literally could have been zero, yes. But it wasn't, didn't, and so your right. predictions were wrong. Well, it's helping. Now we've done real astronomy. You're here.
2: Just tell me your predictions were wrong. Yeah,
0: I don't do that kind of theory, man. <laughs> oh,
2: now she's... Now the disclaimer. Oh, well, I don't do that.
0: <laughs> I don't... Know. No, honestly, that was saying we have some uncertainty in how stars are forming, how many of them are very... That big, and how many of them are in the galaxies, and so that gives us an uncertainty. And the range of uncertainty was from, like, zero to 1,000. Oh,
2: and two fits... One in per two year, I'm fits saying. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. So... So, Just before we go to our next break, Nergis, what would you say was the biggest challenge over those years for Lego? Was it just funding? Was it the engineering? Because you're predicting you're going to detect something with engineering that was not yet invented. That's got that takes gonads.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think the biggest That's
2: the gender neutral you know, is it? I
0: don't think so. Yeah,
2: that's totally gender neutral, I think. I've been working on my gender neutral <laughs> vocabulary. Yeah.
4: So I'll I I, get
2: credit for that. It takes gonads. All right.
4: Okay, so I think the the most different people will give you different answers. The most difficult thing was getting the the instruments to be as sensitive as as you could make them. And why is that so important? Because there was a huge amount of uncertainty, as Jana said, in the predictions of what was out in the sky, what would we see? So the only thing we really had control over was how good of an instrument can you make? Because nature gives you what she does, and the better the instrument, the more likely you were to see something on the low end of those predictions. So I think just Pushing on to getting better and better sensitivity was one of the hardest things to keep doing. And so while the I physicists
2: get all the attention, where are the, engin- the engineers? Oh, the, yeah. I
4: mean, of those thousand co-authors on the paper, I would say a good quarter
0: are engineers. are engineers. engineers. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I just want to add, you know, we say, oh, they just turned it on, and in a couple of days, that's, you know, a little misleading. So the first generation of instruments was built in 2000, and those didn't hear anything. So there was an, in- LIGO has existed since then. And this is the second generation of machines. So they left this vacuum along the four kilometer long arms, but they replaced the components into a more advanced machine. So technically, this is advanced LEGO. It's it's a different machine. So they ran it for 15 years. (laughs) Well, it wasn't quite 15. When did it turn off? So From 2000 to 2010, we ran what was called initial
4: LIGO, the first phase. Okay, so what it means
2: yes. is your detection levels in that 10 years were there's sensitive. Nothing enough. happened in the universe strong enough for you to detect in those 10 years.
4: That's correct. And the, and and, and the and instrument wasn't, wasn't sensitive yeah, enough? It wasn't 10 years of data. It was 10 years of operating, but probably two, between two and three years of data collected because we would take long
0: breaks to make improvements to the instrument.
2: Okay. So, okay.
0: So it was turning on advanced LIGO and you could feel it as I was on the ground at the sites visiting. You could feel that it was going really fast. You could feel it was going really well, that this this was a new you could tell a lot of people had cut their teeth on the first instrument. And so this second instrument, you just had this sense that it was happening fast. But I wanna clarify that all the experimentalists told me don't expect anything until twenty eighteen. And they uh, they really the people who were telling me this really believed don't expect anything till twenty eighteen. So it was a surprise. It went on and it hit.
2: We'll talk about how the detection of gravity waves launches an entire new era of astrophysics, and of course, it opens a new window. Start off.
6: Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work. Tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers. 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. Close their books in days, not weeks